When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to this week's edition of Hockey Unfiltered, the podcast with Ken Campbell. I am Ken's sidekick. I am Dylan Waugh. I am the R2-D2 to Ken's C-3PO human-cyborg relations. Today, we're going to be talking about the Vegas Golden Knights, the Boston Bruins, and there is an insert in that one. And, of course, everybody's favorite fourth overall pick, Shane Wright. Ken, how you doing this week? Well, you know, feeling better. But uh, this COVID thing is, uh, I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> should should avoid if at all possible. Yeah, if you can. If yeah. you can. I uh, I did my best. I was quadruple vaxxed. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, I went to a couple of hockey games. I played hockey. So I, uh, and I wasn't maybe, I maybe wasn't as vigilant with the mask thing as I probably could and should have been. Um, but, uh, yeah, here we are. So feeling better coming around, uh, but not a hundred percent yet. Well, we're, but if, we're... if, if there was game seven of the Stanley cup final, I would definitely be playing. That would be the hope. Well, actually, I think if you're a fan of the team, that might yeah. be, it, yeah, it yeah. might be like, yeah. Hey, uh, you know, uh, no, you're Campbell. good. No, it's okay. Just rest <laughs> up. You know, you've, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Campbell, maybe no. sit this one out. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Much like uh, your your quip about the Carolina Hurricanes last year and uh, Freddie Anderson being injured, going to the playoffs maybe being the best case scenario. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we got a lot to talk about this week, but uh, we will try to be concise, as it were. So let me tell you about my dog. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let's start off with uh, the Boston Bruins. Um, they are. Uh, they're doing pretty well. They've got quite the start to the year that I will say I did not predict at all. Yeah. I don't think anybody had ten, them at 10 and one on their bingo card prior to the season. You know, I mean, no. particularly since Brad Marchand was supposed to be out until the end of November. Uh, Charlie McAvoy is still out and was, and, and was supposed to be out, uh, you know, an aging roster, um, yeah, it's, it's been pretty remarkable and what they seem to have gotten is like, like, I mean, okay. So, so Charlie McAvoy is not, not playing obviously, you know, but Hampus Lindholm has four goals. Um, you know, he's really, really stepped up for them. Uh, David Pasternak of course is doing David Pasternak things, uh, with eight goals, um, you know, and, and, uh, Taylor Hall, it looks like he's decided he wants to be good this year. Um, you know, he's scoring a lot of big goals for them. Charlie Coyle has five goals. Nick Felino has three. Like you look down their lineup and they are getting like contributions from like Trent Frederick got the winning goal last night. You know, Marshawn's come back. He's got three goals in three games. Um, you know, and obviously, you know, the coaching change has had an effect because this is a team that plays, I think, at a lot more of a, of a quicker pace. Uh, they pursue the puck a lot more. Um, you know, they are less defensive than they were under um, under Bruce Cassidy. Um, and yeah, like they just seem to be, there just seems to be a lot of guys having, at this point, having re either really good years or really good comeback years. I mean, you know, you look at a guy like Jake DeBrusque, you know, I mean, last year he wanted out of there. 
Um, you know, now he's rescinded his trade request playing on the top line. He's got nine points in 10 games. Um, so yeah, so this is a team that like, I mean, you know, they've got what 20 points already. Um, so they've got, they've got 20 points, right? They're 10 and 10 and one. Yeah. Uh, that's 21 points. They got 21 points. So if, if you, if you subscribe to the theory that you need a hundred points. No, they've got 20. They've only got 20. They're 10 and one. Um, oh, pardon so me. If, I thought that was an overtime loss for some reason. So okay. if you subscribe to the theory that like last year, everybody's going to need a hundred points to get into the playoffs in the East. Then They're fifth of the way. Yeah. Well, you're looking at, you're looking at, they need 80 more points in another 71 games. So they yeah. ba- basically can play barely over 500 hockey for the rest of the way. Yeah. And they'll be in the playoffs. Um, Which is perfect because Toronto plans on playing really, really well. And so if Boston squeaks in with that wild card and Toronto, never mind. Yeah, no. No, I don't. You know, I mean, that that whole division is like, who would have thought that Buffalo, who would have thought that the top three teams in that division would be, you know, Boston, Buffalo, and, and well, actually it's Detroit. Detroit has a better winning percentage than Tampa even though they're right. out of the playoffs because they've only played 10 games. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, I mean, it's, it's a bit of a str- I don't, I don't see Detroit sustaining this, you yeah. know, obviously I see Toronto getting a lot better. Montreal will probably kind of be where they are. Maybe a, you know, maybe a 500 team that, that uh, I don't think will make a, a, a serious push for the playoffs. The senators have been very, very con- inconsistent. Now they're without Josh Norris for the rest of the year. So yep. you have to really wonder about them. So, um, you know, I, I would say that Boston, you know, I mean, you can probably put them in the playoffs already. Um, they've given themselves, you know, a win in October and November is the same as a win in March and April. Yep. And uh, they've given themselves like, like Vegas, they've given themselves a lot of runway here. And, uh, you know, if things do go south for a little while, they'll be able to absorb it. Yeah. The thing that strikes me as well with Boston is that a lot's being made about their, you know, them having a bit of a light schedule and it's not being the most difficult schedule, but you know, they beat Florida, they beat Washington, they've beat Minnesota, they've beat Dallas, they've beat Detroit, as you mentioned, uh, Columbus is struggling. They lost to Ottawa, which like you said, has been inconsistent. There's, there's games where Ottawa looks absolutely fantastic and there's games where they really don't uh so it's not being a, like I, I think that it, it takes too much away from them to to turn around and say that it's been a light schedule uh they're, they're playing well I mean kind of um David Krejci was always going to be kind of the x factor yeah yep. in terms of is he actually going to slot in and 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 play well at an NHL pace and if he were to do that everything else, all the other pieces kind of fall into place. Taylor Hall, who you mentioned, right? Um, Charlie Coyle, who you mentioned, right? Those pieces all, they're not given the room that they need to perform if David Pasternak comes in and struggles. Right, right. And, you know, you you know, I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't really even think about their, the, the quality of their schedule because, you know, I mean, Toronto's had a pretty easy schedule too, you know? <laughs> they've they've lost to San Jose. They've lost to Anaheim. They've lost to to Arizona. They've lost to Montreal. You know you can only win the games that the league puts in front of you, and yeah. the the Bruins have done that, and and good on them for doing that. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I mean, I think there's there's a lot of lot of really good stuff going on here at play in Boston, and you know, one of them is the fact that they've been able to now put Jake DeBrusque on the top line with Marshawn and Bergeron. And now yep. Pasternak can play on the second line with Zaka and Hall. Yep. And so now, you know, you've got maybe you went from having the best line in the world to having like one of the best lines in the world. And now you've got a second line, you know, that that really is very, very, very dangerous. Yep. Look at a guy like A.J. Greer, a rookie who's come in playing third line minutes. You know, mm-hmm. he's he's doing well. Uh, you know, Nick Felino seems to be rejuvenated after being put on waivers you know, playing on the fourth line. Um, you know, their defense has actually held up pretty well without uh, without McAvoy. I mean, you know, you've got a guy like Anton Strauman who you can put in there 
and play third pair minutes and he's not going to hurt you. So, um, yeah. yeah, they are, they are, uh, you know, they, they, they look pretty solid from definitely from top to bottom. And obviously the, the coaching change, um, you know, is, uh, is, is, is going to be, is, is, has been, you know, a really, um, it has, it's been a, it's been a really, uh, positive thing for this group. Yeah. The, uh, the last thing that I want to, uh, throw out there as well is, um, they've got the second highest shooting percentage in the league at like 10.8 or something like that, which normally would be a cause for concern as being unsustainable, but they've got the fourth highest, uh, high danger, um, shot attempts in the league. So, you're going to have a higher shooting percentage if, you know, all your shots are coming from high danger areas. My point being is that they're doing, you know what I mean? Like it's, it just, it feels real what they're doing because they're creating good opportunities on the ice. Right. Right. Yeah. And, you know? and they, and they, they're getting a lot of shots. You know, they were down by three to Pittsburgh the other day uh, yeah. and basically and came back and won that game in overtime. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, they, they are, yeah, they've, they've got, they've got, they've got some really good balance in their top nine. Mm -hmm. Um, and they've got a decent fourth line that can, that's not going to hurt you. And when a guy like Nick Foligno is playing the way he's playing, um, you know, you're, you're, you good things are going to happen. I mean, two guys on that team, and you've mentioned both of them, Nick Foligno and Anton Strawman are both guys that I was kind of like, it just seemed kind of like the league was passing them by. Yeah. And here they are making um, significant contributions. Yeah. And I mean, the day of reckoning is going to come. We keep saying it, you know, I mean, this is, this is a group that has a, has a window and it's, it's a finite amount of time that this team is going to be uh, this competitive and this good. Um, but we've been saying that for a few years now. I mean, Brad Marchand, you know, gets hip surgery, comes back a month early and looks like the star that he's been for the last couple of years. Um, Patrice Bergeron, you know, um, you know, comes back on a one year deal. And I would suspect he'll keep doing that for as long as he wants to. Um, and, you know, look at what he's accomplishing this year. Still, you know, anchoring that first lot, that top line. Um, yeah. So they are they are getting a lot of. Um, they're going to, they're getting a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, contributions from, you know, from everybody. So the final thing I wanted to ask you about the Boston Bruins, and you've been once again, <laughs> alluded to it with, uh, talking about Brad Marsh and his hip surgery is we saw him sit out against the Columbus Blue Jackets after his, uh, return against the Detroit Red Wings. And I'm just wondering, obviously this is load management and obviously there's an extenuating circumstance with the hip surgery, but I'm just wondering if you think, that um, this is going to lead to more load management. And my thought is, is that uh, if Brad Marchand can be told to take a night off and to sit, then it's kind of like who in this league is now above that. Right. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, he came back a month early. Um, so I, I mean, I'm sure that there's a concern there that, you know, that, that uh, he might, he might have, uh, he might be uh, might be jumping the gun a little bit, but uh, you know, I mean, he's playing twenty minutes a game. Uh, you know, he's right there with, in terms of ice time, he's getting more ice time per game than Bergeron. He's getting about the same as Pasternak. He's right, like he's one of the top forwards on the team in terms of ice time. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense. Uh, I think at least early in this process when he's just coming back from this surgery to, to send him in back to backs. And you know, the, the, the Bruins it's, it's funny because they've, they've been able to, they they've always been able to get their players to buy in, whether it's uh, you know, an unofficial salary cap uh, where you take less money to stick around uh, or things like this, where, you know, you, you know, you tell, you tell a Brad Marchand, yeah, we know you want to play every game. We know you think you can do it. You know, you, you came back a month early. We, it, it was supposed to be the end of November. And right from the beginning, you said, you know, it's not going to be the end of November. And you came back a month early. Um, but they seem to get a buy-in from their players on an organizational level that uh, a lot of other teams might not get. And so it doesn't surprise me that, 
you know, they've been able to say to, to Marshawn, look, yeah, well, okay, we'll, we'll sign off to you coming back a month early, but you know, in back to backs, you know, you're going to, you're going to take it easy because um, you know, we're going to need to, you need you down the stretch and in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the one last thing that I'll say about that is uh, I'm not certain that as of the team that, that it's a month early for the team. I think that they were trying to manage expectations of the fans of the team. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, internally they've got to know, you know, that, uh, well, I think every player, like as soon as he finds out he he's coming, when he's coming back, he's always like, okay, how can I, how can I accelerate this as much as I can? Right. Right. Um, I think every, I think every player does that. And particularly guys like Brad Marchand, who are such, you know, uh, you know, such competitors and, you know, basically we're put on earth to play hockey. Right. Um, I think Joffrey you know. Lupo is still trying to accelerate his return, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but, but there's a, but there are guys like Brad Marchand who, you know, you tell him it's going to be this many months and he's like, no, it's not going to be that many months. It's yeah. actually going to be, um, you know, five months, not six. And so, yeah. So, I mean, I, I mean, yeah, there is probably a load management aspect to it. Um, and I would suspect that, that that's probably a good idea for Brad Marchand and the Bruins. Um, you know, and now, again, as we say, you know, they've got 20 points. They've yeah. basically put themselves in a playoff spot already. So they don't have to worry about, you know, we need Brad Marchand for this game uh, because they can afford to, they've got some runway now. Uh, where they can afford to, uh, you know, to, you know, drop a game or two here or there, and it's not going to hurt their playoff chances. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're 100% right. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely hoping to see more teams do this and just try to get the, get the max out of these players, because I get that you want to see the stars in the game every night, but at the same time, if the stars are, you know, so banged up that they can't be the stars, then, you know, why bother? Hey, everybody, Dylan here. We're just going to do a quick insert now because a little bit of news dro dropped while we were um, finishing up recording. So uh, without further ado, this is the insert, and then we'll get back to the regular show. Ken, what's the news? Well, you know, uh, some, maybe some troubling news. I'm not I'm not really sure what to make of it, but the, the Boston Bruins have uh, today basically signed uh, a young man by the name of Mitch Miller. Um, you probably remember who he is. He's a defenseman who was drafted by the Arizona Coyotes in the fourth round in 2020. And then uh, basically the, the, the Coyotes renounced the pick after it was learned that he had bullied a, uh, uh, a disabled young man in, in middle school, um, albeit, you know, uh, quite a few years ago now. But um, you know, I mean, but, but, uh, but a, a troubling, a troubling story. Um, you know, so now Mitch Miller comes back. Um, he, he was, he was renounced. His draft pick rights were renounced by Arizona. Uh, he lost his scholarship at the university of North Dakota played last year in the USHL, um, and was very, very good. Had 39 goals, 83 points was, I think he was the defenseman of the year, if not the player of the year. Um, and now the Bruins have signed him to a two-way deal. Um, so I guess the question is, is, um, you know, has a guy like Mitch Miller, um, paid enough for what he did? Because I mean, it was a long time ago. The family has maintained that they are not satisfied with the apology that they got from Mitch Miller. They thought it was pretty perfunctory and cursory and that they, they wonder whether or not he actually is contrite for what he did. And, and what he did was was very, very serious, very serious, um, you know, bullying uh, and basically, you know, I mean, intimidating, bullying, assaulting a special needs, uh, meant, uh, you know, developmentally, developmentally handicapped young man in middle school and then not really being terribly contrite about it. So now you go, OK, well, what are the what are the what are the ramifications for something like that? Like, yeah. I mean, you could argue that Mitch Miller isn't, isn't, is not only not being hurt by this, he's actually maybe even being helped by this. I mean, he just signed a three-year deal with the Bruins. 
So he's getting $92,000 in signing bonus each of the next three years. He'll make a minimum of $80,000 in the minors. So he's going to make a minimum of about $180,000 each of the next three years, even if he just plays in the minors and never plays in the NHL. He's 20 years old. You know, his his you could actually argue that his his development has been accelerated now because if he hadn't done any of this and he had just kind of gone to school, he'd be a, he'd be a, a sophomore at the University of North Dakota. He'd be in a second year at the University of North Dakota waiting to, you know, maybe sign after this year or or after another year. But now he's, you know. He went to junior hockey last year. They they gave him all kinds of awards and 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 uh, you know made him the best you know named him the best player in the league, um, you know. And now he's on a pro contract, and he may you know who knows he could be playing in the NHL in two weeks if he's yeah. if he's playing well enough in the minors. So is that enough? Like, did he did he did he pay enough for his transgressions? I think there are a lot of people who would argue that not only did he not pay for his transgressions, he's actually kind of being rewarded for them, which is kind of troubling, I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, I always, I always feel like the, the trouble, the biggest trouble is, is that, you know, the truth is that there's no way to pay for a crime or a transgression. There's just, there's just no way to do it. You know, if you murder somebody, you get life in prison. He's still, it doesn't bring the person back, but you know, in, in, in terms of from a restorative measure, it, it has more to do with uh, our ability. Like, I mean, hockey teams, they're businesses, but like any sports team, they have a significant place in the community. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and, and are to one extent or another, whether partially by design partially our fault as fans they're a pillar of the community in a way yeah right and so you know the amount of airtime and and press time that's gone into logan mayu talking (laughs) about his journey yeah and and i'm 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 not convinced whether this journey is completely uh you know whether it's disingenuous or not disingenuous i'm not Speaking to that, but what I am speaking to is that a lot of effort has been put into that, whereas for this kid, it was just, well, we got him. Well, he's he's done the work. He's done a lot of work. I mean, I mean, by all accounts, he has been a model citizen. He has, uh, you know, done a lot of work. He's done a lot of, um, you know, self-improvement, that kind of thing. Are you talking, you talking about Mayu? No, I'm talking, I'm talking about, oh, I'm, okay. talking, I'm talking about uh, Mitch Miller. Um, right. it, they actually, both of those guys have done the work. It, it appears, yeah. I mean, at least that's what we've been told by everyone, but I mean, whatever you think of how Mitch Miller should have been treated or was treated or has been treated, it's, it's indisputable that if he had not done any of these things and he had just taken his regular route into the hockey, into hockey, he would be a sophomore defenseman at the university of North Dakota right now. He would not yeah. be in the. He would not be signed to an NHL deal. He would not be playing in the American Hockey League. He would not have a chance to play in the NHL. He would not be making one hundred eighty thousand dollars a year. I mean, that's indisputable. If he had, yeah. if he had been a law-abiding citizen and had done none of these things, he'd be in a second year of university and he'd be looking to looking to make his way into the pro game at some point. Uh, now that he has done that. He, he's playing pro hockey. He's in the American Hockey League at the age of twenty, and he, like I said, he could be in he could be in the NHL as early as next week. It's um, definitely pretty troubling, uh, and just it's just another stark reminder of just how far we have to go as not only just a hockey community, but just as a society in general for how to properly handle these situations, as opposed to performatively handling them. Well, I, I don't know on. what the right answer is. I don't know. Has he paid enough? No, I don't have it. I, I don't know. I don't know. Has he, yeah. has he paid enough? I, there are a lot of people out there who would argue that he hasn't, uh, particularly yeah. in light of the fact that, as I've said, uh, you know, the family has indicated that they aren't, they have never been very, you know, like completely satisfied with the apology that he made to them. Um, yeah. So how, how much does a person pay? I'm not sure. But I do know, like I said, that 
if anything, this has accelerated his his path to professional hockey his career without yeah. question, without question. Yeah. And you yeah. can't argue that. You cannot argue that. No, no. Okay, well, you know, we had a long conversation with a lot of good vibes around the Boston Bruins. Yeah, which as a Habs guy, I mean, it just it was really weird for me. So, um, uh, but I think that this insert had to be made, and uh, yep. yeah, so. Now back to the regular show. Hockey fans, it's finally time to hit the ice again. And thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you're in for the season of a lifetime. New customers can bet $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets if they win. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win its game and get $200 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Let's move on to... Shane Wright, the the right pick at number four. <laughs> and yeah. before we get into it, check out kencampbell.substack.com for this podcast directly into your inbox. And of course, Ken's excellent writing. Check out uh, Hockey No Filter on Twitter, Ken underscore Campbell 27 underscore Dylan Waugh. And of course, if you subscribe to us and you should subscribe if you're listening to us, don't forget to leave us a review, a rating, a comment, you know, Preferably a nice one, but uh, we got a we got a, a fairly thick hide, I think, between the two of us. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yours thicker than mine, but uh, you know, so all negative comments direct to Ken Campbell. All right, okay, only yeah. nice things to Dylan. I'm used to it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so let's uh, let's talk about Shane Wright uh, and his his start to the year. Well, it's it's been a learning process, obviously. They've played 12 games. He's played in exactly half of them. Mm-hmm. He's played only six games. And in those games, he's getting like eight minutes of ice time a game. Um, I think, I'm not 100% sure, but I think he's the only, uh, like, the, like. Literally seven minutes not, and 59 seconds of ice yeah, time per game yeah, played. Believe it, or not, believe it or not, Seattle is actually scoring like gangbusters, right? Like they are. Yeah. Among the league, they're among the league leaders in in goals this year, um, and they are getting a bunch of contributions from a bunch of people, and they're scoring a lot of goals. And I I'm pretty sure that Shane Wright is actually the only skater on this team that doesn't have a goal yet. He doesn't um, have a goal. Everybody everybody else has at least one, including all their defensemen. Um, so it's I, I'm sure it's not working out the way Shane Wright would have hoped. Um, you know, does this mean they send them back to junior? Well, they've still got a little while to figure it out. Um, you know, there's, there is that nine game threshold that everybody talks about, but really that's, that's, that's only, that's only for, um, purposes of, you know, registering the year, the, the contract as a year, as a year accrued for free agents, uh, for free agency down the road, once, you know, he becomes 26 or 27 for unrestricted free agency. So, I mean, if they want to keep him around and, and play him more than nine games, they'll probably end up doing that. Um, you know, is he better off going back to junior, uh, than he is, you know, practicing with NHL players, you know, watching NHL games from up above, um, you know, getting some time in the best league in the world. Um, I don't, you know, I don't think this is going to ruin him. I, you know, I mean, Shane Wright is a pretty determined, talented, uh, you know, um, he's, he's, he's a pretty, he's a pretty fiery, determined individual. So I don't think this is something that he would sit there and, and mope and, and let it affect his play and, you know, affect his development. Um, he, may very well end up getting sent back to uh, the Kings and Frontenacs, who I suspect uh, they're doing a lot better than I think people thought they'd be doing, but I suspect would trade him to a Memorial Cup contender like, 
you know, maybe the Windsor Spitfires or the Mississauga Steelheads or the Ottawa 67s or something. Um, so he definitely would come back and be in a situation where he's going to succeed. He definitely play in the world juniors, um, you know, so, um, but, but he's on board with this. Like, I don't think you've, you've, you know, I mean, he's on the record as saying that he's, He's okay with it. He wants to be in Seattle. He wants to stay there, even if it means, you know, very limited ice time and very limited opportunities uh, and and sitting out games. Um, you know, I mean, sometimes these things can ruin players. I don't think this is a guy where doing that would would ruin this guy. Um, I think there's there, there is a lot to be gained by him being in Seattle and and, you know, seeing what it takes to become a guy that can play every day in the lineup. And um, I, I mean, it'll, it, he'll probably end up going back to junior. I would think at some point, um, you know, but, but I don't think this is, you know, you hear people say that this is, this is going to hurt his development. I don't, I don't really buy that. I think he's a good enough player that he can figure it out. And, uh, and, and he'll be, he'll make the most of uh, the limited opportunity that he's getting and he'll make the most of his chance to, you know, practice and be around an NHL team. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree with you on that. And uh, he does seem like the sort of guy that's uh, a driver of his own development. Yeah. You know, in the sense that he's, he's not waiting for, you know, Kingston to assign him to, you know, a strength and conditioning coach or, or a skills coach. This is a guy that's, he's going out and he's, he's finding those guys. He's finding the best of the best because he wants to be the best of the best. And, um, you know, he studies the game on his own time. He seems to be a student of it. And so I, I agree with you. I don't think there's a whole ton to worry about in his young NHL career. And the one positive that I'd say is that his, uh, his assist on, uh, I believe it was Donato's goal. Yeah. Ryan Donato, his, his assist on Ryan Donato's goal was essentially a, a little bit of a flash of exactly what, you want from Shane Wright. It was a flash of what he can do and the fact that he can do that at the NHL level. And hopefully of course, consistency is the issue, but you know, it was a cycle in the defensive zone. Shane Wright manages to grab the puck and make a beautiful two line pass to Ryan Donato for uh, a breakaway. And so it was quick thinking it was vision and it was good defensive awareness that led to that. And that's what led to his success in junior. And so even though we haven't seen enough of that at the NHL level, we've seen some of it. And so it's already like, if I were a Seattle fan, I'd say that's already encouraging. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, this is a player that, you know, I mean, he's, he's obviously had a lot of hype around him, right. Ever since being a, you know, the exceptional player in the OHL, mm -hmm. um, you know, um, but he fell to fourth. Um, you know, I've talked to, I've talked to people, the scouts who, who think that maybe he's been a little too highly hyped and that, um, you know, that, that he might not be the, the, the NHL star that everybody's, you know, thinking he might be. Mm -hmm. Um, but he's only 18 years old. He's got a lot of yeah. time to figure this out. He's a smart kid. He works hard. Um, you know, this is a team that's, it's interesting because, I think the Kraken are, you know, I mean, they're obviously a far deeper group. You know, they've got a full season of Matty Beneers. They, you know, they had, they added guys like Oliver Bjorkstrand and Andre Burakovsky and, uh, and they're, and they're, and they're, um, you know, they're obviously getting a lot of contributions from a lot of different people. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it's, 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 it's a bit of a conundrum because I mean, now Seattle is like, okay, we're actually pretty decent. Uh, they're going to want to win games. Uh, they're going to want to try and make the playoffs this year. Uh, and so far they're doing very well. They're, they, they are a team that, you know, I think is, is a, a playoff contending team. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's, the, it's, it's always the, you know, the question, does he get it? Does he develop better playing an inferior league where he's playing 25 minutes a game, running a power play, you know, you know, doing penalty kill, um, maybe playing in a league where um, he won't develop as great of habits as he would in the NHL or, or does he develop better, um, you know, practicing with NHL guys, watching games from above, 
you know, being in that situation. I think either way, he's going to be fine. I think either yeah. way, Shane Wright is going to be fine. Yeah. Um, so it depends, I guess, on what Seattle decides here. But I get, you know, I mean, I, I, I assume that if, you know, if they don't find a way to get him into the lineup and they and they don't get him into the lineup because they don't think he can help them win, uh, then they would probably have to, at some point, you know, I would say maybe around the World Juniors, uh, you know, sometime in late November, early December, you know, they might say, uh, okay, let's, uh, let's, uh, let, let's, let's get this kid back in junior. And, uh, you know, that, that way he will have had a, a year up here. Um, he'll have had his time and he can go back and, and maybe dominate for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Like, I don't think that there's a single right path for success for prospects in terms of, do they need to dominate junior? Do they need to slug it out in the NHL? Right. And even the idea of obviously he's not eligible to go to the AHL, but I just don't think that there's a sing singular right path for every prospect. And, but Shane Wright is one of those guys that, like you said, I don't think that something's, I don't think that a decision like that is going to ruin him long-term. You know, I mean, you look around the league and the junior eligible kids who are, Still playing in the NHL this year are Shane Wright, obviously. Uh, Mason McTavish in, in Anaheim, Brant Clark in LA, Dylan Gunther in um in Arizona, and Wyatt Johnston in uh Dallas. That of course doesn't include guys like uh you know Slavkovsky and and guys like that who are European but and wouldn't be sent back to junior anyway. But um, you know, I mean, the four guys, the other four guys are all, we're all drafted in 2021. They're a year older than Shane, Wright, Um, and they all look like they're going to be around for quite a while, if not for the rest of the year. I mean, McTavish and Wyatt Johnson have each played 11 games. They've passed that nine game threshold. Clark and Gunther have both played nine games, you know, uh, you know, I mean, McTavish, I mean, he struggled along with, I think, the rest of that team, uh, but he's acquitted himself pretty well. Wyatt Johnson has been outstanding. Um, four goals in 11 games uh, has been really, really good for Dallas. Uh, Dylan Gunther, I know Andre Tourney, the the coach in Arizona, just loves him. Talks, he, he's, he keeps talking about it. He's going to be a when player, not an if player. You know, like there's no question of what, of if he's going to you know, have all the tools to, to be a, a really good NHL player. It's when, and he's actually been quite good for them. And Brant Clark, I think is probably the biggest surprise. Um, you know, I think Barry was counting on getting him back this year and he's been, he's played nine games in, in LA uh, um, for that defense core and may very well end up sticking around for the rest of the year. So of all of those guys, I would say Shane Wright is the most likely uh, to go back to junior. And I, I would think, if, you know, if, if the, the trend continues, you know, he's sitting out every other game. I think he had sat out five in a row and, and, and then played. Um, so, you know, I, I mean, I, I would think that if he's, he's going to continue to sit out and he's going to continue to get really limited ice time, um, there'd have to be a point probably sometime around December once they decide, you know, whether or not they want to send him to the world juniors. Um, that they'll they'll have to decide whether or not they're going to send him back and and I would suspect that uh, you know you may very well end up seeing him back he he could then play in the World Juniors have a prominent role with that team probably get traded to a Memorial Cup contender you know be a you know be a dominant player on a team that's going to have a long playoff run and maybe win a Memorial Cup and you know that's that's the kind of development that is good for a player as well yeah, I mean, I, I've talked about this on the podcast before. I talked to a scout who told me that Shane Wright reminds him a lot of Nick Suzuki, and the path that you described was exactly Nick Suzuki's path. So it's working out pretty well. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean I've always been a big proponent of a guy's never – I've never seen the, a guy whose career has been hurt by being held back for too long – in junior or the minors or, you know, being developed slowly. But, you know, you see that, you know, the scrap heap is full of guys who were put into situations that they couldn't handle. But I don't think this no. is, a, I think this is the opposite. I don't think this is a situation that Shane Wright can't handle. I mean, they, they're, they're actually putting him into situations where he's being sort of not, he's not facing a ton of pressure. He's not being expected to, you know, be a big contributor at this point. 
you know, he's being put in, he's spotted in and, you know, he's being worked in slowly. And uh, so I, I, I think either way, like I said, I think either way, this kid's going to be cut fine. I'm not convinced he's going to be, you know, a big NHL star, but he's going to be a guy who plays in your top, probably your top nine. I, I, I suspect he will either be a, an elite third line centerman or a decent second line centerman when everything is said and done. And I, I don't think what's going on now is, is going to change that projection at all. Yeah, fair enough. Um, do you want to move on to our final topic, the Las Vegas Golden Knights? Uh, yes. Yeah. I know. Uh, I always say Las Vegas. It's hard for me to just say Vegas. Well, yeah, that's, that's the, that's the name of their team. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I was very, very vocal before the season that I thought this was going to be a tire fire in Vegas yep. this year. I just thought there was so much bad karma around this team and that they had made so many trades and, and went after the shiny new things so many times that it was finally going to catch up to them. And, and this was going to be the year of reckoning. Um, but I think, I think what it tells you is, you know, when this team is healthy, um, it's formidable, you know, I mean, you know, we are getting prime Jack Eichel now, right. And you oh, see it yeah. like when he's like at three on three, I would hate, I would hate to be on the ice against Jack Eichel three on three. Yeah. Like he's scary. Um, you know, and you know, they've got, you know, they've got Chandler Stevenson playing on his wing. Uh, you know, he's had it. He's had a really good year. Um, and that defense core, like I said, when that defense, when that defense core is healthy, um, I'm not sure that there's a much better defense core. There are, you know, some teams like Carolina, maybe, you know, Colorado, but you know, you look at that defense core when they're healthy and that is among, you know, the best defense in the league. And I think another thing they're, they're getting is, um, they're getting, you know, they're getting goaltending. Um, you know, Logan Thompson, who four years ago was playing for the, for Brock university, um, <laughs> is you know he's been really good for them and again they're yeah. they're a team that they're a team that they don't need like elite goaltending they when they're when they're playing well um they they just need good goaltending but they have actually yeah. gotten very very good goaltending uh this year so far from both logan thompson and aiden hill um, yeah. and, and, you know, I mean, that, that I think is, is a huge part of it as well. I mean, that, that might've been the biggest, that might've been the biggest question mark coming into this year when, um, when, uh, you know, Robin Leonard was basically shelved for the year and Laurent Boissois was hurt was, you know, what was this team going to do for goaltending? And it yeah. turns out that Logan Thompson at the age of 25, you know, has, uh, you know, come into his own and, and has become a guy that, you know, a lot of other, like a lot of other guys, you know, it takes a few years for goalies um, to, to figure it out and to, to hit their stride. And, and this guy's definitely hit his stride. Both he and Aiden Hill have been, have been really good for them. Yeah. Um, I know that when Bruce Cassidy got hired, he did make a comment like, uh, uh, my system is good for goalies or like I'm easy on goalies or something, yeah, yeah. something to that effect. Um, and I mean, he's not wrong. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, is that I do think that they're a little tighter in their defensive zone. Obviously lots to be made about them going to a zone system, a zone defense, as opposed to a man on man, but um, offensively in, in what I've watched from them, they really remind me of the year one Vegas goal. Uh, <laughs> Vegas Golden Knights. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I questioned myself, but I said it right. The year one Vegas Golden Knights where they're just forechecking, forechecking, forechecking. And so I've always really liked watching this team. And even when they kind of, you know, became the heel of the NHL, I, I still really enjoyed watching them um, because like that to me is like, that's their team identity. And you, you look at the, the thing that I noticed in last night's game, because I, I rewatched a bunch of it today. Obviously, you know that I was on the ice last night. I wasn't able to watch it live. But the thing that I noticed was that a lot of guys did Mark Stone things. There, there was a lot of moments in front of the net where I was just like, oh, that's a great turnover in the offensive zone. Like, Mark Stone's really on his game. Oh, 
that wasn't Mark Stone. That was Chandler Stevenson. Yeah. Oh, that was a great turnover. Mike, Mark Stone really made that. Oh, that was Riley Smith. Like it was, it was just hilarious because it's like that um, offensive awareness, I guess, just by being in a room with Mark Stone uh, is just being bled into everybody else. Yeah. And it's just, they've just become a really fun team to watch. Uh, Zach Whitecloud's goal uh, last night was incredible. Um, a lot, a lot of names have taken steps forward this year that I wasn't necessarily expecting to see that much out of them. And, and with that in mind, I'm curious, what is your biggest surprise specifically on the Vegas Golden Knights this year? Um, I, I, th- I think it is probably, well, I, I, I think the goaltending is, is definitely the biggest surprise. I, I, had no idea that Logan Thompson was going to be able to, uh, you know, not only be good, but be a difference maker. Good. You know, um, yeah. I mean, he let in that really bad goal last night from, from Claude oh, last night. He let in a few stinkers. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. But, but he's, yeah. Been, but he's been very, very, very good. Um, I, I just, I just, I, I just, I, I think the biggest surprise is, you know, how this team has, just um I, I don't know like like it just seemed to me there was there was like terrible terrible karma around this team and they've been able to flip that switch big time you know i mean being healthy i think is obviously you know the biggest factor here and and you talked about mark stone i mean a healthy mark stone you know a healthy jack 100% healthy jack eichel 100% healthy nice to behold you know the the, the defense core i mean like you know, I mean, that's that's that defense core when it's healthy. Martinez, Pietrangelo, McNabb, Theodore, Hags, White Cloud. You know, I mean, Hag and White Cloud are their third pair. Um, you know, that's yeah. that's pretty. That is that's a pretty formidable defense core there. And you know, then you've got guys like Phil Kessel who's playing on their third line and you know making some contributions. Um, Nicholas Waz is, is is holding down the fort on the fourth line. You know, with Will Carrier and Colazar. You know, that's a that's a good group. Um, yeah. you know, a pretty solid group from top to bottom here. Yeah. For for me, the biggest surprise was um Chandler Stevenson, truth be told. I didn't I thought, okay, he was kind of playing above his pay grade, so to speak, as the first line center last year, and he did a, a very adequate job of it. Um, but uh I, you know, I was kind of, so I was kind of like, okay, so you drop him down to second or third line center and he becomes a great middle six center or something along those lines. But having him up on the first line at wing, I was not sure that that was going to work. But, uh, man, what, what's he got? 10 points in 12 games? Yeah, yeah. Five five of those are goals? Holy smokes. Like, and And he looks fantastic you you'd think that he was a top line winger his whole career it's it really came as a shock to me uh Chandler Stevenson's um play so far this year yeah I really thought he was a guy that was going to get sort of lost in the shuffle you know yeah. once, you know once everybody came back and uh you know instead of being their top line centerman which he was for basically all of last year was their number one center um, years now yeah he's now their number one left winger and yeah. yeah, so I mean, he's he's adapted really, really well. He's a good player, right? And I mean, you're you're playing with Jack Eichel and Mark Stone. I mean, you know, Mark Stone is going to get all the pucks, and Jack Eichel is going to distribute all the pucks. And all you basically have to do is, you know, be a decent player who can make plays, which he is. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was uh, it came as a complete. Uh complete surprise me i mean we've talked about as well like you know the guy that's the a good player on a bad team yeah and i kind of wondered if that was chandler stevenson i didn't know how he was going to be able to adapt readapt his game as he's already had to readapt his game the last two years playing top line center role Mm -hmm. and now readapt his game again to be a top line winger i didn't know that that was uh gonna be in the in the toolbox so i'm really excited to see uh how chandler stevenson does in goal next year <laughs> well, I mean, if they if their goalies keep dropping, he might have to actually he might actually have to play there. But uh, yeah, and you know, I mean, here's another team that's gotten itself a ton of runway, like especially in the division they're in, in the conference yeah. they're in. 
you know, I mean, you know, they're, they're six points up right now on the next best team in their division. And again, 20 points. So let's say they need a hundred, they need 80 points in their final 70 games. Um, you know, they're, they're scoring a ton. They've, their goals against is, I, do they have the best goals against the league? I don't know that anybody's given up fewer goals than they have this year. Uh, I don't think anybody has. Um, and has anybody scored more goals than them? Uh, I know Dallas has a bunch of goals. Um, yeah, so so they're like they're like right near the well. Boston actually has has scored a bunch more goals, but but you know they're right at the top in goals scored. I think their goals differential is probably second best in the league behind Boston. Um, they have twenty three goals scored against them in all situations, which is the best in the league. Yeah. Uh, Second best is Dallas Stars with 25, then Colorado Philly at 27. Actually, and Islanders and Jets at 27. Jets is a surprising one there. But yeah, you're you're right. They are uh, you know, and they're they're seven off the pace for goals four. Yeah. Actually, not even seven off the pace. Yeah. Uh whatever it is. That's like three, uh, four off the pace. So yeah. So, so I mean they they yeah, I mean they they uh they're obviously doing it both ends of the ice. They've won six in a row. Um, and like I said, they've, they've got themselves a ton of runway, you know, they, yeah. they, they've bought themselves a, a really good situation. And, you know, I, I don't, you know, I mean, if they stay healthy, I can't see this thing going South. Um, yeah. but even if it does a little bit, they've got the cushion. Yeah. And, and, you know, the other thing is kind of like, you know, sort of the own rental thing, um, I, this is not to take anything away from Logan Thompson, who's done exceptionally well, and Aiden Hill, who is almost more surprising to me uh, how well he's done, just because he's had a little bit more runway in this league. But uh, Robin Leonard might come back. One of, you know what I mean? Rounding into playoff form, you know, one of the best goalies in the league over the past few seasons, last year notwithstanding as being an injury year, Robin Leonard might be coming back. And so... You you throw in that defensive system, you throw in everything that that's happening well for them, and you then you just add in a, a Vesna caliber goaltender. Like it's gonna be a, a a pretty tough team to beat. Yeah, is he is he gonna come back though, or is he uh, like I I thought that he was basically done for the year. So I I heard done for the year, maybe back for the playoffs. But I like I said when we were talking about Brad Marchand. Uh, I'm not super duper trusting on the timelines right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty serious. His, his injuries obviously are pretty serious. Um, and you know, I mean, you know, you never know. I mean, if you parachute a guy in that hasn't played much, um, you know, and, and put him into that situation, is it a good thing for the team or a bad thing for a team? I'm not sure, but, uh, that's a fair point. I mean, they're obviously, they're obviously doing it without him right now. So there's really, like there's not that at the very least, there's not that urgency to, you know, rush him back or to, to, to put him back and, and get him back into a situation where, you know, he might not be ready. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, thanks so much for sticking around. Check out kencampbell.substack.com. Check us out on Twitter, on Apple podcasts, anywhere you get your podcasts and we will talk to you again next week.